You have 24 minutes. You have 24 minutes, the podcast from 24 Hour Nation. 24 Hour Nation is for stakeholders in American cities who want economically and culturally vibrant nighttime economies that are also safer, more inclusive, and respectful. 24 Hour Nation is also for those looking to enrich their travel experiences by discovering the newest and most innovative things to see, do, or savor in top U.S. cities. My name is Randall White, host and curator for 24 Hour Nation. You can find us online at 24hournation.com and on social media at 24 Hour Nation. Today, we spend 24 minutes with Tina Lee Vogt, Program Manager in the Community Development Department for the City of Sacramento, California. Tina manages Sacramento's Innovative Entertainment Permit Program, which provides guidance and standards for a wide range of nighttime enterprises. In her program manager capacity, Tina also guides a team of representatives from city and state agencies. From sporting events and live music venues to theaters and exhibitions, Sacramento's Entertainment Permit Program establishes a replicable model for code enforcement, fire safety, policing, and alcohol licensing in cities across the United States. Let's learn more about this Sacramento program as we spend 24 minutes with Tina Lee Vogt. So the city's entertainment permit program was adopted because we just had a lot of issues with unruly nightlife. And so the council really understood the importance of having a nightlife, but they wanted to be able to manage it better. So they adopted an ordinance. So anyone that does entertainment and entertainment is very broadly defined in the city. So it's not just nightclubs. It's karaoke. It's trivia. Uh, They get a two year permit and there's a set of conditions. And the way our program works, that's a little unique is that it's not just about the administration that comes from our code compliance division. That's just a part of it. The administration is the issuing of the permit. What really makes our program successful is that we work as a team in terms of the operations and the ongoing application of the permit. So it's about having code and fire and police where the core departments really work closely together to make sure our businesses comply with the city code and are operating safely. When was this adopted by the city council? The original code was adopted in about 2003. We updated it in 2013. Um, And so, yeah, it's been the way the code is written is very helpful because it does give us a lot of latitude in terms of different tools we can use to manage our businesses. And did it come up through a committee? At, it's, since it was a city council decision, a policymaking decision, first of all, Sacramento is a city manager, managed organ, uh, a city rather than a mayoral it is, Yeah, manager. it's a strong city manager versus a strong mayor. Um, so I wasn't, I, I haven't been with the program since its inception. So basically our city process would be, it would go by code, um, it would go through our law and legislation committee and then it would be adopted by the full council That's what we did when we updated it. We work with our law and legislation committee. But one of the approaches that we took when we updated is that we also worked very closely with our businesses. So when we updated the code, not only was it city staff looking at it and saying, what did we need to change to make it more effective? There's a lot of information that's put in our city code that's based on feedback from our operators because um, 
it's the code compliance division. And for me, compliance is a lot more important than enforcement, because if you have people complying with what they're supposed to do, you really don't have to do a lot of enforcement. Right. So we wanted to have something that people could comply with and live with and be safe versus something that was draconian and making them do things that weren't that would not make their businesses successful. City Council in Sacramento, uh, is it districts? They have representatives of various districts of the city or? Yeah, we have we have eight council districts and a mayor. Uh, most of our businesses actually, though, are in our core. So really, there's one district, District 4, regardless of redistricting it to, to be District 4, that tends to be the district that has most of the nightlife because they have our central downtown core, they have our midtown area, and they have our old Sacramento waterfront area. And that's where the majority of our businesses lie. We do have businesses in the outlaying suburban areas, but for the most part, they're downtown. And so that downtown city council representative is oftentimes your probably biggest champion for making sure that things work well. Yeah, I'm about on my third or fourth council member since doing this job. and um, But they've always been really good at understanding what we do. And they've always been really supportive of understanding the importance of us regulating our business as well. So they support when we do have to do an enforcement action, they support what we need to do. And I'm, I'm always fascinated in when I'm talking with folks who are in the city governments, municipal governments as staff, where nightlife management is parked, organizational chart-wise. So the community development department is under code? So the community development department, it's the other way around. Code is the division of the community development department. I see. Um, community development is a fairly large department. So we go from A to Z, from animal control to zoning. Ah. So we have animal control, we have planning, we have building, we have code compliance, so it's a very broad department. And, uh, and and I'm also intrigued then in terms of the six degrees of separation between you and the city manager. So there's a department head of code and a department head of community development, and that person answers to the uh, city manager? So, so the way it works is I report to our code and housing enforcement chief. He reports to uh, our department director. Our department director reports to an assistant city manager, and then there's the city manager. Oh, my goodness. So there's a few more degrees of separation than I would have thought. Sacramento, I understand at one time, uh, I read something or heard something, it was considering the idea of a nighttime advisor, a nighttime manager. Is is that, am I remembering correctly? That is still in play. So So what we're doing now is the city manager's office is evaluating um, an appropriate job description for that position. So that's kind of in play. Uh, so it's something that the city manager wants to do in the future, but it's not in place right now. Not yet. And uh, have, have you any idea about where that position would be placed? Would it? Not at this time. I think it would either stay within um, with kind of what we do right now within community development or it could be in the city manager's office. So I think they're trying to determine where would be the most appropriate place for it to be. So I think for the discussion um, happening now, those are the two locations that are probably the top two. Okay. And I want to a little bit more about this partnership with this team. On the team of, of folks that interact with the nighttime businesses, you not only have code, which I guess that's largely the hat you wear, right? And you have a building inspection people and you have uh, the alcohol beverage control folks and you have fire and you have police. Yeah, it, it definitely takes a village to manage our program. And I think that's what makes it function really well is that we typically have a more holistic approach to managing it and then addressing problems. So we don't just treat 
for example, if it was just in police, every problem would be a nail and it would always be enforcement and I'll be trying to figure out how to close it down. And because it's more holistic, we look at different ways to support businesses as well as different ways to do enforcement. So in code compliance, there is myself and I'm responsible for the administrative component and the permitting, but there's also enforcement. We've actually recently introduced a night team. So we actually have a supervisor and four code enforcement officers that actually go out nights and weekends that a lot of folks don't have. Um, We do have building inspections that are part of our application, which we're finding is really key because we're finding that people do unpermitted, unsafe work. Fire was really helpful. And then we work with police. So we really try to have that team approach and it it works really well. We communicate um, really well. Our night team coordinates with police that has its own entertainment team that goes out for nights and weekends. And so they've been partnering. This is a very new development. We just got these positions recently approved uh, for code. But again, it's really trying to figure out how we look at something more holistically, because, again, it's so easy to just say it's just this or it's just that. Um, For example, when I first really started working with this, fire was a really useful tool because we were having a big problem with warehouse events. Mm. And what we found was fire could close down an unsafe warehouse event more quickly with an over occupancy citation than having police just say, oh, you need an entertainment permit and people just pay the ticket. But so there's different tools to address different problems. And so that's what's been really helpful about our team. And in in the team, the collaboration between the various departments, oftentimes you find in some cities that these are silos that don't necessarily communicate with each other. Are you where these are you the point of contact that helps get these departments to interact with each other on the nighttime? I I will have to admit I'm the hub of this wheel because if you look at the program, um, I've been with the entertainment program since 2009. I'm on about my fifth captain with police, (laughs) probably about my fifth sergeant. Um, I think I'm just on my third fire person, though. I'm on my second code enforcement manager about my third boss that I report to. So there's been a lot of turnover and change, and I've been kind of the hub. But I, I think... It's me, but I think it's more the team. I think it's not just me. I think it's really the team having an approach of how we really respect what each other does. And so I I always think that one of the things that I love, and I can't even remember who said it, is it's amazing what you can accomplish if it doesn't matter who gets the credit. And I think that really sums up our team really well, is that we're not saying oh, that's code, or oh, that's police, there's a lot more of it's our team. And so it's a really big team approach. In fact, this week, uh, we have, since we have the new members from the night team, we have a new sergeant for police that's coming on board. So on Thursday, I'm actually doing an entertainment 101 training for them so they can get the background and they're all going to be there together. So again, it's how we do that team approach that makes it, I think, really successful. And did have you found that, did they have to have any external pressure? Like, did the police chief have to say, no, you are going to do this? Or I, there's a cultural difference here. And in a lot of cities, the police are standoffish or fire is standoffish in this kind of collaborative way. Why is it working in Sacramento? I, I think it's just our approach. And I think it's the kind of people that are in on the entertainment team. It doesn't always work because I've had some really great sergeants. I've had a couple of sergeants where you can kind of tell they were voluntold to be there and they really weren't as invested. Um, our new sergeant coming on board, he's great. He came from ABC. He was with our ABC liaison. So he really gets nightlife. It really takes someone who understands the facilitator role. 
And one of the things, so the person who does fire with me, she and I have been working together, God, for more than five years. And one of the things that we always say is our approach is always when there's issues and problems come up and we're trying to fix something. And when people like make requests of us is how not no. So we really don't try to go in with the, we're an obstacle, we're a barrier, we're trying to stop the fun. Our goal is always safety. So our first thought is how can we do something safely? Can we do it in a safe way? And if we can do that, we move forward from there. So we always try to approach it with that. And if we do that, then it really does help. So how we support each other. How have you been able to build the kind of relationships with the businesses or the PBIDs, the public business improvement districts, uh, very similar to BIDs, business improvement districts, public improvement districts in other, dis- in other cities. How have you been able to go into the PBIDs or the businesses themselves and, and break down that kind of bust of the distrust? I think it's a good way to put it. I don't know. I had an applicant say this one time, and sometimes it's so appropriate. I just do what I do. So I think what I do basically is I think I'm really very direct. I'm very honest. I'm very clear. I don't, I think what's really good is I'm consistent. And I think being consistent, being fair, being very open with communication, um, businesses know I will tell them like it is. I'm like, you know what, this is, a, what are you doing? What what you doing? And I talk very plainly with people and I'm the same whether I'm talking to a PBID or I'm talking to the mayor or I'm talking to a business owner. We're really consistency to me is probably the most important thing. And so if you're really consistent with what you do, you're really fair. Um, you're not like giving someone else something that someone else doesn't get. I think if you're straightforward, if you I'm very clear about setting what my expectations are and accountability. And so I think that people just know what they get with me. It's not like they're going to get a different Tina if they're like, I'm not someone who, oh, I'm talking to the fancy people now. And so it's different than if I'm talking to somebody else. And I always say this, if I'm talking to Mason Wong, who is someone in our industry who has a lot of businesses in Sacramento, or I'm talking to Connie Herrera has one little club out in, you know, our Oak Park area, they get the same level of service and commitment. I think I knew that about you, and I think that's why I liked you. I, I like I like this Tina because she doesn't change, and she's very straight talking. So um, you mentioned something a little bit about how you're helping some of the businesses, kind of, so that it doesn't feel like you're this enforcement agency coming in. What? How does the team work with the businesses? What are you doing? Trainings, just like you're doing some of the training with other members of the team. Do you? What kind of training or presence do you bring into these businesses that help them get to where they need to go? Well, what we do is it kind of went away a little bit during COVID and we're trying to get it back in play is we do something that we call pub clubs and bars. It's a quarterly training. It is always uh, put on by myself as well as fire and police. We always have different elements that we include. So typically police will have a discussion on security and what's the expectation for security. And they'll do it every time, but it's really good because people that attend are different. Fire, we'll talk about different fire issues. So for example, during the holidays, we'll talk about decorating because the number of people who put something up on a sprinkler head would surprise you or probably not if you do nightlife. It's amazing. (laughs) It's a sprinkler head, it's a decoration hook. So they will do that. Um, We just recently had one that was really helpful because in the state of California, there's a responsible beverage server requirement now, and there's training that's required for anyone that serves alcoholic beverages. And there's a date certain that people have to have their staff trained. So we actually had ABC come in and offer training to our folks. And then we have the PowerPoint that they did, and we're going to go ahead and post that to our website. So we really try to do that. And we also try to make sure that we do things that, are kind of cost effective. One example is 
security. We used to, when I first got it, it was security was required at the same number, no matter how many people you had in the building. So we have some of our venues that are like 500 seat venues and they might have like 10 people there. And we were telling them, you got to have five guards because our ratio is one to 100 about. And we realized if they were doing a night, like it's a weeknight or it's something where they didn't have security, we started doing a sliding scale. And so some of our people had complained about the quality of guards because we told them they had to use certain guard services. And they're like, you know, these knuckleheads is like getting Barney Fife. You know, can we do something? Can we actually get our own guards if we do the state program? Because the state allows you to be a private security guard employer if your guards have gone through training. So we said as long as you have your PSC or private security employer certificate with the state and your guards have their cards, you can use your own trained guards for your guard count as long as they meet this requirement. And that was a really helpful tool for them because they had someone who was actually an employee who had a little bit more skin in the game than this person who the day before was working at Rayleigh's grocery store. And then all of a sudden they're working at a club. So it was a big help for them to be able to get their own guards. So we try to do things and stay on top of trends so that they can do what they need to do. And I remember you saying, referencing just a while ago, that it's more than just bars and clubs and concert venues, but also theaters. So like the Sacramento Theater Center and the Doco Downtown Commons, I guess, where the Kings play and Sacramento Memorial Auditorium, these other places too? No, so those are those are bigger. Those are kind of government or quasi-government, so they're not included. However, we do have a theater in town, Crest Theater, which actually is a theater for our classic movies, if you're ever in town. Great classic movies there. Um, and they do music. So if they're there, we have my favorite one is Harley Davidson of uh, Sacramento. They do entertainment in their parking lot, um, you know, every once in a while. And so they were getting these kind of one-off permits. And I'm just like, why don't you just get a two-year? And they got a two-year and it works really well. So wow. there are definitely some different venues. And there's this one location. It's really funny. It's in our industrial area. They do large boxing events that are on ESPN and they have a permit with us. I see. Okay. So sporting events like that as well. And if I'm, if I remember correctly, the special events have their own kind of permitting process. If it's a festival or something. The best way to look at how the city of Sacramento does our permitting is I do private. So anything that's on private property is in my wheelhouse. I have a counterpart that does anything that's in the public space, which would include anything that's a street closure and then our city parks. Okay. So I have a counterpart that does anything that's a special event in a public space. And you have more responsibilities than just nightlife, too, as I recall. You've got other things on your plate. So uh, entertainment is probably the task. I've been with Code since 2009, and that was probably the first thing I did. But since then, I'm responsible for the city's tenant protection program, the administrative side of the rental housing inspection program. Um, I supervise the administrative staff that supports our field staff for code and housing. And then I supervise our hearings and appeals staff that hear all of the hearings. And I'm a hearing officer. Oh, my goodness. You kick ass. So pardon me. I just I don't mind that that's in my podcast. Uh, just so for somebody who might be listening who maybe doesn't know, I want to come back to the P-bids or um, mm-hmm. bids or PIDs. How, how are those set up? Those are explain to me what a P-bid is in Sacramento. So a property business improvement district is a district where folks have uh, voluntarily decided that they want to go ahead and pay extra money for this district. This district is managed by a staff. And what it does is it works to kind of keep and maintain the area. So a good example would probably be 
our downtown Sacramento partnership because we have most of our places downtown, as well as Midtown Association. Those are probably two of my biggest partners. And so one of the things that they do is they have, they organize events in their district. They organize uh, cleanups, the um, uh, PBID for downtown or downtown Sacramento partnership. They have guides that are available to assist people. Uh, in fact, we, I just, there was a really interesting article in our local um, Sacramento News and Review about concerts in the park, which has been produced by our downtown partnership. And that's been going on for decades and it's coming back. And so that's an event that they sponsor. So they do a lot of coordination. And for us, I like to call them our property owner whispers, because sometimes when we're dealing, especially with a problem property, sometimes property owners, just the tenants just say it. I don't know. They just pick it on me. They just mean. And we're like, dude, your tenants, are jerk. they're, they're going to get you in trouble. They're going to, they're going to get you in jail. And so they're able to really help us connect sometimes with property owners if we're dealing with some problem properties to kind of make them see, hey, we're trying to work with your tenants. They're not working with us. Can you help us out? So they've been invaluable and they help us with providing the training. Um, when we go to Responsible Hospitality Institute Summit, we go to the Social City Summit. I always have someone from uh, Downtown Partnership and Midtown Association with our crew. Which is a nice segue. On April 3rd, at approximately about 2 a.m., a mass shooting occurred, horrible experience in downtown Sacramento outside of a business. It wasn't in a business. Correct. Six people were killed. Twelve others were injured that weekend. You, your PBID manager, yeah. your other folks, and I were all at this conference in D.C. when you learned about this and you were able to respond to it as a team remotely. Tell us a little bit how the team came into play and then how that really came to resolution pretty quickly. Well, obviously, we were we were getting word. Um, the sergeant was was with us. So the sergeant who would usually be there um, was with us. The rest of his crew was fortunately in Sacramento. So we were able to hear what was going on. Um, one of the things that's a really key element in one of our conditions that we require are scanners, and scanners played a huge role. Um, the company with the majority of our scanners was actually at the summit, so we were able to work with him so we could actually get information from scanners on who was where, what was happening. That was a really invaluable tool because a lot of um, the victims, as well as some of the perpetrators, we were able to identify. We have cameras that are located at different key intersections in Sacramento, especially that area. So we were able to use cameras to get information. So there was a lot of tools that we put in place. Unfortunately, it didn't prevent the shooting and it was a gang shooting. So it's a shooting that happened to happen there because there were a lot of people, but it could have happened almost anywhere. But being able to coalesce all of the different information that we had really turned it around and made it so we were able to identify, police was able to identify who the shooters were and get them into custody and, and get things moving. That's remarkable. And it's a, a, I don't know where we're going to wind up in this country with that kind of thing, but it was remarkable that your team and that particular technology benefit helped uh, wrap that up rather quickly. That was very impressive on behalf of your whole police department and your team. I am speaking with Tina Lee Vote program manager in the community development department at city of Sacramento. Uh, what's the best website? If somebody wants to go learn more about, um, about what uh, you all are doing in Sacramento, just the city of Sacramento. 
cityofsacramento.org uh, backslash entertain permit. And that is the website and um, that has information on our program. So okay. that's probably the best place to start. Okay. And I'm going to give you the last word, Tina. You're speaking and listening to this podcast are staffs in other cities. And someone imagine somebody sitting there wanting to ask you, what's the most important thing I need to know to get a nighttime plan in place in my city? What, what would you tell them if you could? I, I think the one thing I always say is teamwork makes the dream work. And I think really taking a team approach and understanding all of the different players that are involved in anything related to your nighttime management. So if it's police, if it's fire, if it's code, but getting everyone to get together and be consistent and have a consistent message and really understand how all of the players fit together. I think that's the best thing that's really made us successful because I think before everyone was just kind of doing their own thing. And I think when really, really understood how each of us contributed to the program and really worked, I had a sergeant who once said to me, he goes, you know, Tina, before I started doing entertainment, I never understood the importance of zoning and planning with all of this. And you really opened my eyes to understand all the details that are involved and that it's not just telling people what they can and can't do. So really understanding the team approach and understanding how everybody contributes to making it work. This has been Season 1, Episode 16 of 24 Minutes from 24 Hour Nation. Learn more about us at 24hournation.com and on social media at 24 Hour Nation.